Hi, this is Princess Victoria. You're listening to BBGWrestling.com. Have a great day. Hey, uh, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Turn Chuckle on BBGWrestling.com. Before we get into the interview with Todd Pettengill, I just kind of wanted to put it out there. I know that I sound like I'm in a public bathroom. Uh, that was ent- <laughs> entirely my fault. But it's also, um, you know, it may usually sound like that, but especially when you're going up against, you know, a world-class professional with his, uh, you know, world-class studio and equipment. Uh, and I am pretty much broke and have very little equipment. It's amazing that I've been able to continue a podcast, really. I do always say, though, that that is the beauty of the podcast, that anyone can do it with whatever equipment they have. Uh, I do actually have decent equipment. I just messed it up. Uh, so... Don't let that put you off. I just sound like I'm in a public bathroom uh, (laughs) compared to Todd's crystal clear vocals. Um, But yes, I hope you very much enjoy it and uh, check out all the previous shows, including another interview with Todd um, on the archives on bbgwrestling.com. So without further ado, this is my interview with the one and only Todd Pettengill. Batman and Robin, Blues Brothers 2000, Blair Witch 2, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, they all pale in comparison as sequels to having my guest back on the show. I have with me the one and only my hero, Todd Pettengill. Hello. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. How was that for an intro? Was that okay? Um, that was pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think. I don't know. I sort of like the second Bridget Jones. I, I, I did like it. <laughs> Good movie. Well, as a um, as a journalist as well. I mean, did you do movie reviews on your, uh, on your shows? Um, probably. I mean, my my memory of it is a little foggy because it was so long ago. But yeah, I imagine you know at least initially we did some. Yeah. I can imagine that you had more fun just ripping on the terrible. Uh, movies and uh, the terrible albums yeah. that came out that, until one of them came on as a guest, and then you kind of had to be. Oh, this is terrific! I love this picture. Uh-huh. Without mentioning names, I secretly want you to mention names. Uh, were there anyone that you had in your studio who was just a bit of a chore? Oh, Steven Seagal, absolute, <laughs> absolute nightmare. First of all, he made his own cologne, so he reeked of it. And you shook his hand, and your hand smelled like it for probably a week. I imagine similar to dating Madonna. Um, I don't know if you got that. We'll leave that there then, shall we? (laughs) Uh, If you're going to drink out of your cup, I'm going to pretend to drink out of my SummerSlam 94 uh, cup. Mm. You don't have anything? You're going to do an interview, and you don't have anything to keep the pipes moist? I think if you found out anything, especially over the past couple of days, um, I'm barely qualified as a professional and uh, certainly not prepared. <laughs> and I think that adds to my charm as a presenter, don't you see? I do Listen, have. I've been rolling on that for years. I, I really have no other skills either. So, Well, I have had this uh, Lemon and Lime Zero. Uh, it's a store brand, so I'm not going to get uh, thrown off YouTube for advertising. So I think now is the time to break this open. Nice. And possibly. Okay. 
Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Good. Uh, I do apologize to your Sandman who heard me make that noise in his ears. You're fine. Um, <laughs> so um, this is your second time on the show, and we went in depth about because if someone listens to this they'll be like you didn't mention most of the things he did on this interview i'm like no i did that the first time around and we you went did. so in depth you have to go yeah, into you the remember things that i actually didn't remember which is not surprising i'm sure that'll happen this time again i'll be like yeah geez i don't i don't know i don't remember which i mean that's a good uh, that's a good uh, tone setter for the interview i'll just remind you of things <laughs> Yeah, I'll just go to that. Yeah, I don't. If you say so, okay. I don't remember. Is that how you got through a few interviews uh, backstage? Um, <laughs> you know. Well, you, I was I you... was prepped when I was doing it. You know, so I mean, when I was doing it, I knew exactly what I was doing. But you're asking me to remember stuff from almost thirty years ago, so that's where the challenge comes in. I mean, at the time, sure, I felt pretty comfortable doing it, but now. You want me to remember? Remember those shoes you wore when you were at SummerSlam? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't. It's refreshing honesty, though, um, which is good, you know, because we could, could go down a rabbit hole. And and I was listening back to the previous episode, and you said, don't ask a question that you don't know the answer to. So I'm gonna um, continue down, yeah. uh, you know, using your advice uh, with regards to that. So wow, I actually had a teaching moment on the show, huh? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Well, you are a hero. You're a mentor. You know, whether you want to take credit or blame for that is entirely uh, is entirely up to you. Um, right. So, since we last talked, uh, it was kind of funny because you were kind of slightly self-facing, going, "I don't know if anyone remembers me from wrestling and all that kind of thing." And then, since then, everything has happened in wrestling with you. All of a sudden, you know, the in your house DVD had happened by that point, yeah. Um, yeah. and. Did, were you aware even then of how strong the nostalgia was for for the 90s when the when the DVD came out it's a great question because I always knew that wrestling fans were unbelievably loyal I mean if if you're talking about me it, it was 25 years since I left not since I started but since I left so for for someone to remember is one thing for a lot of people to remember is really cool so that that moment is I think unique to wrestling fans that it just I don't know of any other sport entertainment that well, I guess in motion pictures right if you make a couple of movies they remember you but other than that I mean do you remember who played second base for the Kansas City Royals in 1993 no no, no. you don't but the fact that wrestling fans remember um, my small, very small contribution is is humbling. I think I told you that before, and it it it's kind of mind blowing to be honest with you that um, everything old is new again, and I guess that includes me. Well, was that a, um, an indicator on in how you know WWE, especially since around? I love how you say it. By the way, can you say that again? WWE. WWE. Now I used to get. People like, oh, I love how you say that, but you do, WW, you do it better than I do. Well, the, the, I like it. One, one thing I noticed about how, because I'm assuming it's kind of like when you work in a store and you have to have jargon and words that you have to say, like superstars, etc. How you pronounced WWF was very 
I, I don't know what the word is. You you got those syllables. You got them out there. No, in one sentence, you would say WWF probably about ten times, and that <laughs> it was never. It was never, you know, uh, tuned into the Royal Rumble. It was always the WWF Royal Rumble, the WWF, etc. And, you know, you, a part of the reason why I was, you know, I am a big fan of you is that you were really sort of, you could do what it takes five people for, in two hours to do now. You could sell that pay-per-view. Wow. You know, if, if you would make that pay-per-view more important than going to see, you know, a family member in the hospital. Um, well, that was my job, right? I mean, that's why I was out there when we did these countdown shows, especially. Now, forget the uh, the selling on the way to the match because that's that's what you do. But when we did the, the countdown shows, I mean, it was my job to get people on the fence to go ahead and buy the pay-per-view. And otherwise, what was my purpose of being there, right? So you have to sell. And then branding, I think that really helped from radio because there could be many Survivor Series, but there's only one WWE Survivor Series um, yeah. or Royal Rumble. or so. so I think that came from the radio background where you want to own it, make it yours. And then I never thought I pronounced it weird. Uh, or did anything strange, but you're not the first person to say that. I like how you said WWE or WWF, and I'm like, I just three letters, bro. I just said them. I, I, I didn't try to do anything weird. Well, you hear stories about um, when Tony Schiavone was in the WWF and uh, maybe Sean Mooney as well, how they were given elocution lessons because they were from the mm. South. Right. I'm guessing that, I mean, and you came directly from radio as well, but did the New York accent, I'm guessing, put you in good favor with with Vince? Because he's he's very New York centric. He is, and I I never thought I had an accent. If you if you and I are speaking now, and maybe you can, well, you're from the UK, so everybody has an accent to you. I worked very hard to not sound like I had an accent, and you turn that on and off. Right? So if you want to be from New York, then you just talk like you're from New York. It's easy. If you're from Chicago, then you talk like you're from Chicago. There's little affectations that you just throw in there. You know, and I'm down on uh, I'm down there by the giant bean getting my picture took. Uh, so, but the main thing is, can you just speak like you're from everywhere? And that's the most difficult thing to do. It's easy to go into a, at least for me, for an affectation or some sort of accent that you want to do. But um, I mean, let's face it, uh, they were based in Stanford, Connecticut. You know, at that time, a lot of the, now a lot of it's coming out of Florida and stuff, but what's a Florida accent? <laughs> I yeah. don't know, because Florida is basically New Yorkers who got sick of the cold. <laughs> I was going to say, this is YouTube, and I'm not going to already destroy my reputation by trying to put on a, a Florida, what I think is a Florida accent, because there is a common Do you section. have one in mind? I mean, what would be a Florida accent? Because I don't. I mean, it's a, it's a, you have so many New Yorkers who move to Florida. I, I hear more New York accents in Florida than anything else. That's true. It, it does remind me of a joke that you told, and you had the crew just rolling, laughing. Uh, it, it was such a terrible joke as well. Sorry, Thank it you. was a terrible joke. <laughs> no, it was, uh, how, do you, how do you pronounce, uh, how do you say Tatanka in Boston? Uh, Tatanka. Oh, Tatanka. Tatanka, yeah. See, I don't remember that. I have no... I'm hearing... <laughs> I 
I'm hearing the YouTube audience laughing at that, you know, 27 years later. Um, Are you? Good for can, you. Because I don't, uh, yeah. I hear dead silence, but that's just me. <laughs> well, this is why we're not live. I can edit in uh, applause <laughs> and everything else. Well. Be live, anyway. man. Do everything live. I'm, I'm not acting any differently, right? So I don't know what you're going to have to edit on me, but whatever. I guess if that's I burp or something, you'd have to take it out. Nah, we keep all that in. Keep all oh, the flaws okay. in. Um, <laughs> um, so yes, uh, and I want to talk about some of the older stuff that I missed out the first time around because there was so much uh, stuff. But 2020 Royal Rumble, which was in Texas, uh, it was in was it in Houston? It was in your hometown. It was in Houston. Yeah, it's about three hours from me. So now this was the the first thing really since the uh, since the DVD, which was around what well, I want to say 2015, something like that. Um, so what? What made them think of having you come in for the pre-show to watch? It wasn't even a pre- it was a watch along uh, on it YouTube. It was a watch along, yeah. Um, um, so I'm guessing you, there were people on the production side who knew you from the time, who were able to reconnect with you for the DVD, and just had you in mind to bring you in for that. Was that the situation? Yeah, I think I was close. You know, like who do we know that lives down there that we can just get to come <laughs> over? Um, but it kind of a funny story of we had a former intern when I was doing radio in New York and his name was Zach and uh, he was a, a great video editor and he called me and he said hey do you know anybody over there I'd love to work for the WWE I'm a really good editor I'm looking for a job so I made a phone call and he got hired so he was the one who brought up you know Todd's in Texas so I think he was he was trying to hey you got me in here maybe I can you know, get you back, and I'm like, Zach, it's okay. I mean, so, so that's it's funny how things sort of work out. Um, I have a pretty good track record with them of recommending people. Um, the first guy I recommended almost 30 years ago is still there, so that worked out. And hopefully, Zach will have a uh, a good 30 year run there as well. But yeah, it just comes down to, you know, I put a guy in there, and he says, oh, Todd would be good, and. You know, I, I guess they said, oh, we haven't heard from him in a while, might be fun. So it was it was great. I mean, it was um, it's kind of a strange thing to do. Uh, I know watch-alongs are big now, but uh, it's kind of strange. You just sit there and you're watching and you're like, well, what do you think? Oh, and you hear everybody at the same time. Whoa, ah! You know, it's if, if you didn't have picture to go with that, I wonder what the hell it would sound like. It's kind of odd for a live pay-per-view as well, because surely you're watching the pay-per-view. You don't want to necessarily watch anyone watch a pay-per-view. You want to kind of watch it firsthand, sort of thing. Like, I, but, I, but if you okay. think about it, if you did, if you did the watch along, you'd have to buy the pay-per-view, which is why my marketing brain went, "Oh no, don't do a watch along. You want them to buy the paper." So I was still selling, but I guess it was only four people who had already purchased the pay-per-view and then as an added bonus like an add-on right when you call one of these infomercials at two o'clock in the morning because you can't sleep and you're like i definitely need nose hair clippers that work in the dark i definitely need these and then they go hey by the way we have uh glow slippers would you like a pair of those you're like oh yeah so not that i'm comparing a watch along to glow slippers but you know what i mean it's an add-on it's a bonus so it's something else that you can be a part of as long as you purchase the pay-per-view uh, Johnny Gargano was there as well, and he had an mm-hmm. uh, old Royal Rumble 
96 t-shirt which i marked out over you know and the, when the announcement it, it's kind of weird when the announcement uh, for you being there happened because i had interviewed you by that point the amount of messages i got um it was you know just to make me mark out over it and i know that a lot of people were excited about you being there because you are kind of and i know this is kind of weird because i'm talking to you and we've talked many times at this point but there's a fascination over where is he now even though you certainly never went away you you know <laughs> worked for york's biggest radio station and you know but it wasn't anything it wasn't a thing directed towards wrestling fans i guess they, they right. feel that you're out of wrestling and you're not in a yeah. hollywood movie like and you kind of just <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's like, what? where'd that guy go? And it's like, well, I was still doing the, the radio show. But you're right. If it's not in the field that they watch, you know, it's, think about your social media feed, right? It's all your interest. So if you're interested in wrestling and I'm not there for 20 years, perfectly logical question would be, where'd that guy go? Well, and luckily, um, they didn't do a kind of uh, where is he now in the kind of um, hmm. where is that fossil now? <laughs> Sort of thing, like a little documentary. It would be fitting. It would be fitting. <laughs> and no, but I mean, you know, because they kind of do that with uh, sort of people who kind of really slipped away and went into the ether and stuff like that. But you never did. You were constantly, you are constantly being creative and doing everything that you used to do. And uh, but you now have you have this added thing of wrestling, which I guess you kind of really did leave by the wayside in '97 and didn't think about very much would um, that be correct yeah i think that's that's true um it, it went through points right where it, i always stayed in contact with them and we had a great relationship which is which is why i think you know i'm going back and doing a couple things and i always wanted to leave the door open we left on great terms and and people always wondered about that too oh he got fired and he couldn't no i mean it was just one of those things where i was doing the radio show and uh, using all my vacation time, you know, to go to pay-per-views and stuff. And my wife basically said, um, yeah, we're going to take a vacation. So it was one or the other at that point. And I, I often wonder what would have happened if I had chosen the WWE. Had a pretty good run in radio, though. Um, but imagine if I, if I stayed, quit the radio and did that full... I mean, maybe I would have been fired the next year. Who knows? So it's kind of a strange path. Um, but now seems to be coming sort of back together, which is fun as well. I mean, I always enjoyed it. I love the uh, uh, pageantry of it. I love the sport of it. Um, it's still very exciting and uh, fun to reminisce as well. So I, I like to feel like I can bring something new uh, to something old, uh, which would be me. I'm the old part uh, in that scenario. But, but there's always a new perspective. And as long as I'm having fun and offering some sort of new perspective, I think it's it's definitely worth doing. Absolutely, and with what what you do as well, you are just as good, if not better, than you were because you have another twenty years of experience uh, working in various. <laughs> well, not just radio. There's a bourbon <laughs> under the bridge. <laughs> and I'm really not trying to hammer down the old thing here. Like, I'm really not. <laughs> It's fine. Before, I can't change before. it. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> you look exactly the same. It's better than being dead. There is better than being dead. Do you think yeah. you'll do you think you'll go bald or gray first? 
Uh, I won't go bald, I don't think, because my grandfather lived to be 95, full head of hair. My dad's 87 now, full head of hair. Um, so I think gray uh, definitely will be for it. I, I think. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see me being bald. Then I'm probably just going to hang it up and go live on an island because I, I can't imagine this as bad as it is already with no hair. Bad. I hope that if you do go gray, you bring the mullet back. I think that would be the time. <laughs> I think the mullet's gone. I mean, the mullet will always live, but in the past, <laughs> where it should be. Um, where I live, uh, half the time as well, as you can tell by some of the <laughs> um, So, you did a, a, a small interview on the day of the watch along, and a small clip showed up on a Royal Rumble day of documentary as well was it literally just a few a few words or was it more of a because you was kind of stood almost ready to go like you had your coat on <laughs> you had the bag you were kind of away. i was in the hallway yeah we were we we're on the way out and they said hey by the way can we just can we just grab you for a second for we're shooting a documentary and i was like oh yeah 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 sure but it, yeah no it was it was no longer than what you saw yeah so um after that uh it was the uh the bump I guess. I know it was the first. Mm -hmm. I know it was the bump first, but you were announced for the uh, the NXT uh, in your house uh, from last year. Uh, so right. it was twenty five years since the first in your house. So I'm guessing it made perfect sense for them to to contact you. So I'm guessing that came out of blue, especially during yeah. uh, lockdown and coronavirus and everything. Uh, so it what did. was what was that? Yeah, no. The the team at the bump is awesome. They're uh, they're a lot of fun and. Uh, really enjoyed doing that show too but yeah the in your house thing made absolute perfect sense and I did that stuff from my studio and you know with the magic of green screen you can you can pretty much do anything right and look like you're anywhere we happen to be in my basement right now and this is a totally real wall in back of me uh, but yeah. uh, you know if we were to do green screen well we we might do something like you see but in your house was one of those legendary things for me because the very first one, you know, we gave away a house. And it was it was an extraordinary thing to attempt to do, number one. And then number two, attempt to do live, right? You've got a phone call, you've got a big giant box full of entries, you have so many things that could go wrong. Yet, it was like radio, you have to keep going. It doesn't matter what goes wrong. I remember he, nobody answered, and then I had a call back. And you talk about awkward, right? But you've got to make it work. And it turns out and we, this kid, Matt Pompicelli, um, yes. wins the high school. He's a kid, right? I didn't know. I'm talking to him, and he's like, I'm in high school or something. I, I don't know. It was, it was so strange. <laughs> Uh, very, very strange, but one of those things that I think people loved, and for NXT to bring back, you know, the franchise, I guess, really cool, right? The takeover, and and I think, like we said, everything old is new again, and that that seems to have some legs, and I'm 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 glad it does. I think it's a very cool concept. So, do, do you kind of realize how much of you is on the network currently? Because at the moment, Dad, the they're continuing to add episodes of superstars from 1994 and you do all the uh, the pay-per-view promo stuff in that sweet merchandise that you would get 
just you would retire if you had all those t-shirts. I was really disappointed when you said that you didn't have those shirts anymore. Do, do you give no. them back? Do you them they never gave them to me. They were just there for the segment, you know. So and then remember, so the Spanish team would have to come in and do their stand-up, so they would use the same props and the, you know, when I did it for Sky because I I did do a lot of stuff for Sky. Um, but 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 every team, every language, Ray Rougeau, I have to do it in French. Um, you know, so it's the same shirt. It's not like they gave, you know, I asked once. No, that's a prop shirt. You can't have this shirt. Just put the shirt down. It's for the next people. So I, I didn't get a lot of gear. That's fascinating. Like, that's that's the kind of – I love that level of sort of um, – in an inside knowledge that you just passed your shirt along to Jean Brassard for him to, you know, yeah. do exactly the same thing, but in French. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so again, though, I do want to, I keep jumping about, but uh, I sort of want to focus on uh, the next in your house as well, which is coming on uh, June the 13th, and you have been brought back. You're going to be in the arena this time, apparently. Yeah, it's going to be live. So this will be, I think, the first live event I've done since I left. Um, yeah. Well, and live under COVID protocol, I guess. But uh, yeah, head into Orlando. We're going to do a, just going to be a news conference, um, I believe the day before, or two days before. I know I'm going on a Thursday, uh, and I believe the news conference will be Friday, and then we'll work Saturday, and the event is Sunday. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody again and, and hanging out. And uh, I mean, obviously, we're all in a new world, right, with COVID, but. Uh, Crowds are limited and that kind of stuff, but I think we're slowly getting there, right? We're getting back, and and now, have you had your shots, by the way? You... I've had both shots. Um, yes, I had Me Pfizer. Uh, and I've got to say as well, I didn't feel anything after it because I've heard that it can knock you on your ass. And uh, yeah, I was lucky but... too. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have any problem. I got the Moderna and two of those, and fully vaccinated. So imagine it's it's like a. A weird science fiction movie, isn't it? Where we're going to have to wear our identification around our neck, and you watch, it's going to happen. They're like, "Where's your vaccination passport?" Uh, but we'll get past it, and uh, hopefully, things will get back to relative normalcy. Yeah, and I've got to say as well, uh, watching uh, WrestleMania, it was wonderful to see a crowd there. And I'll, I'm not, um, I don't think I'm saying anything revolutionary or, you know, news when I say that I watch a lot of old wrestling. I don't really watch much new stuff because I, I really regressed. I sort of like, you know, if I find a little piece, of, I, I found a piece of footage of you, uh, which, you know, uh, don't worry, it's nothing uh, incriminating. Um, it was you building up the uh, one night only UK pay-per-view because mm. my understanding and i think general understanding is that your last wwf appearance was at SummerSlam 97 for the uh for the million dollar giveaway and there's uh you <laughs> a very compromising shot of sunny there uh just behind you um you, you're staring at the phone number definitely on that picture that is a good picture <laughs> Yeah, it's the phone number. It's it's definitely the phone. I'm not looking. I know what it looks like, and I put that up there for you because you like. I know you like that picture, but I'm looking at the phone number. That purple Thanks. suit. It's like a royal purple velvet suit. Like I hope you still have that. That is a. I don't. I it's. I used to call it the Barney the Dinosaur Tux. Um, <laughs> I love you. 
you love me. Uh, but it, it was good, right? I mean, it, it was the 90s, man. You want to be flashy. So, yeah, I don't even know where I got it. But they stopped well, making those it, it, for sure. <laughs> well, this is, I don't know if you remember this or not, but it, it you did TV after SummerSlam. Um, oh, yeah, that, that was just my last pay-per-view. Right, okay, because that's the thing. I, I think some of these might have been just international as well because the one I only picked view was British, uh, mm -hmm. obviously. And yep. I was told by a, a true expert on footage and everything called Richard Land that your last uh, appearance was the morning of Bad Blood. Uh, yes, I think that's right. That. That's kind of mind blowing to me that you still did too, because you was your voice was still on the Karate Fighters advert and on the the action figure adverts and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't realize that you were still doing TV at that point. Um, I just thought you had gone. Well, it, remember that stuff. We were, I think, at least a couple of weeks ahead um, on that kind of stuff. So live is not. Yeah. I mean, I'm not bursting your bubble. Is not live. Um, live, live, you know, if you're at a pay-per-view or whatever, is, is certainly live. But those events, and I probably recorded a couple of weeks earlier. So that's why it continues. So again, I didn't die or didn't leave on bad terms, so they didn't feel the need to slash me out of something and have to redo it. Um, you know, they just let it go, and it was fine with me. The, the were, I remember um, reading, even in the, around the year 2000, that there were rumors that you may have been coming back. Like, were you aware of rumors about you no. in the wrestling no, world at that time? Right. It's just one, like, sort of random conspiracy theories and stories just randomly pop up out of nowhere. That's and fine. that was just kind of one. Yeah. I'm all for that. So, I'm all about innuendo. <laughs> so, what's the weirdest thing you've read about yourself? <laughs> the weirdest thing I've read about myself. Mm -hmm. I don't generally, you may find <laughs> this hard to believe, but I don't spend a lot of time reading about myself. Uh, I don't Google myself. I don't, I don't want to know what's out there. I just, I don't want to know. So I don't, boy, I don't know. The weirdest thing I've ever read about myself. <laughs> I, I, this is a great place for a joke, and I could do several, but the honest answer is nothing. I mean, I... So as, as a New York, um, I guess, celebrity, were you kind of left alone on the streets, or were you constantly being recognized by fans of your radio show who wanted an autograph, or was it wrestling fans that mainly stopped you at the time? I think, I think using the term celebrity with me is probably not a hundred percent accurate let's just assume for a second i know what you're saying not taking into account my celebrity would be on a minuscule version uh, mostly uh, what i did was radio right and then when i started doing the wrestling we, we had done television commercials and i had done a couple of soap operas and uh, you know little things along the way but yeah, as soon as you did the wrestling, I, I remember vividly being on the subway and you get a lot of this. New Yorkers don't really care who you are. I mean, you could be The Rock riding the subway and they'd be like, what's up, Rock? How you doing? They leave you alone, you know, New York and California, because you see celebrities all the time. And again, 
if they're seeing me and counting that as a celebrity, your life is fairly empty. Uh, but it, it, I, I did get recognized on, on occasion. On occasion. What are you saying about my life? I you said my life. Shell. <laughs> so, um, okay, so I'm going to continue with this hardcore journalism. Uh, when you were in the WWF with your beautiful pompadour, that was in the what? Slick, with the pompadour. Um, no, in the hair. in the W what? WWF, the World Wrestling I like Federation. It. Now listen, I like it. You you say it better yeah. than I do. Go ahead. I feel like I'm being exploited now for your entertainment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so when you were like on the tube, did you have your slick back pompadour? Or, I can't imagine you with just like sort of messy hair ever. Was that a big deal for you? Always have good hair? Well, I think, you know, if your parents raise you right, you want to have a nice appearance, you know, you do the best you can with what you got. I uh, wasn't blessed with incredible good looks. So, you know, you, you have to work with what you have. I mean, if you're going out, you got this face, and then you're going to be messy on top of it. I mean, you're just not doing yourself any favors. So, yeah, I try to, try to have a nice appearance. I have no right to talk about anyone's hair, to be honest. Um, I had to, it's raining really badly outside, and I knew this was going to be on camera, so I had to run, and I don't run for anything. Ever. If this car is yeah. towards me, I, I will not run. Um, you know, I'm a deeply, deeply unhealthy person. Um, so, <laughs> um, so the NXT in your house, very exciting. So they obviously had you in mind maybe from the year before did you know that this was going to be a yearly thing uh, did no. they say we're going to be back eventually okay no um, i had no idea i thought it was a one-off you know with the anniversary uh but i love the fact that they're bringing it back and you know not just because i'm involved but i think it's a fun nostalgic thing and and like you said people who follow or are really interested in wrestling from back in the day this is fun right because it gives you a chance to go back and remember and it's, it's one of those things that, that just lives on in wrestling lore, and people get to relive it again now and see what, what the new take, you know, what the NXT superstars will bring to it. Uh, I, I think it's fun. I think it's really cool. So, besides that, the really big news, I mean, that is huge news, but the other big news, which uh, I was sworn to secrecy on, and now the word is out, um, you know, I'm, I'm only saying I was sworn to secrecy on it to look impressive that I had the inside scoop uh, you had beforehand. The scoop. Yeah, yeah. I had the scoop. Uh, the, I mean, what a time to be alive. The first ever Todd Payne. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. I feel like my. Uh, I feel like a lot of people's, you know, fandom and collection of wrestling figures has led to this point. Um, you know, their, their collection is not complete without a Todd Pettigill action figure to uh, conduct the interviews. Um, wait, wait, okay, right, I'm going to completely embarrass myself now. When I played with figures as a child, not as an adult, uh, I, I merely... Judgment-free zone. That's fine. Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm sure a lot of kids did this uh, because you're sat by yourself and you're commentating the match, but there has to be two commentators. So you're basically having a conversation with yourself. 
right. which is kind of an odd thing. And having to put on two voices as well. Um, so I never did backstage interviews because basically I did Royal Rumbles and Survivor Series match. You wanted as many toys in the ring as possible, uh, basically. You know, is this um, your long-winded way of saying you never played with yourself? You you definitely <laughs> did. You definitely did both voices. Come on, you were back there. That was that was the whole part of it. Yeah, Vince was easy to do because it's sort of uh, uh, what's the word? Sort of. Uh, um, you can mimic the voice sort of thing and it, it stands out a lot and you just have to swallow Drano and shout. Um, <laughs> you know, he was That's, much um, more than... Oh, he was... A, it was great and still is. Um, his delivery is just iconic. Uh, iconic. I love it. You did commentary with Vince as well. I think a lot of people don't realize that you actually <laughs> donned the headset. Uh, yeah, for not a, much. For a I was terrible. I was terrible at it. Um, you really have to know what you're talking about to do play-by-play. And even color commentary. You you know, color you can sort of fake your way through because it's not on you. And when you're in a booth with Vince McMahon and you're calling a match, you listen, what are you going to do? You just sit there and shut up. And if he takes a breath and you have something to say, then you say it. Otherwise, you get the hell out of the way. But doing play-by-play is extremely difficult. And it's not something that I would ever list as a, a skill set because it takes years to, to get it right. Um, and you have to know what you're talking I mean, inside and out. There's references to moves and timings and... You know, it's try it sometime. Record yourself trying to do play-by-play, and then play it back and listen. And if you're an honest critic, you'll come up with the same thing that I did. That oh, I suck at that. Yeah. All I'm saying is, I did two voices at the same time. Um, at the same I time, made own, I made my own moves with the action figures as well. So you know. Um, wow. Where was right. my job in WWF? You know, um, I didn't know any of the moves. I, where was my job in WWF? I could have done both w, of the There boys. it is, WWF. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so with um, before we get onto the action figure, which I'm very excited about, as you can tell, um, almost too almost too excited for someone who's 35 years old. But I think the Todd Pettengill action figure, as I said to you, will excite a lot of 35 year old men. Which you know you can take that in any way that you like. Um, There's only one way to take that, pal. <laughs> and uh you know what yeah i'm fine with it royalty stuff you know you'll take that 35 year old collector dollar i don't make a penny no i don't make anything of it. okay um so for the love of the game baby for the love of the game when you commentated with Vince, then uh, because these were these were pre tapes, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guessing the oh, there's the picture Vince- by the way. Oh, I've turned the wrong way. Right with Vince. Yes, my uh, so my Vince shoulder put- was sort of hiding it. That's not, obviously not as important as the uh, one of you interviewing the Rock because that's on the top row. Yeah, right. Prime placement. You, you know, when you're hanging these pictures, you got to think, <laughs> oh man, who do I want to cover? Well, you're, you're not, uh, I mean, you obviously don't have a green screen there, but my green screen, I decided to make it into a white background. A white screen, um, yes. 
No, no, it's a green screen, but I decided to make it white uh, just to be awkward and uh, have very selective wrestling. That's a choice. Media. That was just not a good choice, but okay. Listen, <laughs> it was a choice. Uh -huh. So Vince obviously had a lot of faith in you to, you know, commentate with you. And I, were these done in one take or because they weren't, you know, they, oh, were, yeah. they were pre Yeah. If you said oh, yeah. something, did Vince go, right, stop. <laughs> Don't say no, that. No, he didn't stop. No, no, okay. no, it just happened. You get the eyebrows sometimes, <laughs> and then you'd go back. But no, it was, you didn't stop. I mean, unless there was a fire somewhere and you had to get out of the building, you didn't stop. You just kept going. And that's, that's what I love because that's what radio was, right? You have one chance to do it, and if you suck, it lives forever. And if you're good, then nobody notices. That's the downside, right? It, it's, it's really fun. It, it's, so you treat it as a live event like we're doing this thing you know you're 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 not going to sit there and edit all of it because then what is it right like you're not going to take anything out if we make a mistake you just go on what is it you know what i mean what is that what does it mean we yeah. made him how can we make a mistake talking i mean it's a conversation right and that's the same philosophy that you try to bring to i think any successful broadcast you make it feel as genuine as you can while you're staring into a box with a lens on it, but really believing that you're speaking to a person. So that's it's the same way when you're when you're doing any sort of broadcasting, and that's hopefully how it comes across as genuine. I agree, and you know, as uh, I wanted to get into radio uh, because I listened to I had really irresponsible parents who would let me listen to really rude late night radio, and I was like, I can do that, and then I realized. I couldn't do that because you have to have a knowledge of a broad range of topics, not just WWF from 1993 to 1997. And then, thank God, podcasts uh, came along to allow me to be able to do something like this. But the only way I can do it is I can't have the 15 bullet pointed questions and just take them off sort of thing. It has to, for me, in my opinion, it's me, you, and one person listening to us. It's not a, a, a group of people that we're talking to. We're talking to the individual listener, in my opinion. And that's the only way I can, only way I can do it. And I, I hope that that is why guests enjoy coming on the show because it is a free flowing conversation and it gets silly and I make a fool out of myself, uh, which is quite easy to do. Um, but hopefully that's part of, you know, this is the serious segment of the uh, the podcast where we're not I'm joking. Telling you, I'm I'm like, wow, I'm, this is getting deep. <laughs> um, so yes, the action figure, uh, Zombie Sailor Toys. <clears throat> now, they have uh, stepped in where you know uh, Mattel and Hasbro left off. Mattel have tried it and they've done an admirable job, but uh, Zombie Sailor being fans, I mean, Mattel are fans themselves, but they Zombie Sailor aren't accountable to anyone which is great so they can get names who you know people arguably really really want to fill in the gaps in the collection which yeah. you know and it is true we never had an announcer uh we never had a dino bravo action figure i mean the the magnitude of Dino bravo is you know in action figure form is just crazy and, and there was never they, a mean gene okerland action figure not in that style. Uh, they have... Okay, in that style. 
Yeah, because around, like I said before, around 2005, the Legends stuff came in and the acknowledgement, because they owned all the tape footage and they started, they had had a subscription service pre the network. This is WWE I'm talking about. They had 24-7. The the one episode of Mania they had was the 1994 Slammy Awards, which is uh, you and Stephen Wyatt. Yeah. yeah, they didn't uh, really put much thought into the, the slammies that year. Um, it was just slammies reading were fun. it. Out. That was fun. Slammies were fun. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the importance and the, just the fun of having the you know, yourself or Paul Roma or Barry Horowitz, and you're just these names that we never thought we'd get and actually forget do a promo video for it and your promo video is a, a ton of fun mm. and then you're in full tuxedo no mullet but that's you know we can mold a little piece of clay on the back of your hair to make optional mullet <laughs> well there's a rumor that maybe that'll be an accessory um that's so incredible you'd, you'd have the world's first snap on and off mullet I mean don't we all wish that we could have that I in mean, real life y- yeah yeah <laughs> was the mullet hard to maintain was um, it just you know on a windy the day mullet, eating the, the mullet you know. simply exists and you exist for the mullet <laughs> you don't attempt to tame it you don't attempt to shame it uh, you just attempt to wear it and, and that's all I did. And, and it got long. It got wavy. And it took on a personality of its own. It would have its own social media following today were it still around. Um, it it, it didn't even need me. I was the vehicle. I was simply the vehicle to carry the moment. Someone will make that page now that you've mentioned it. Great. Yeah, great. Yeah. I'm sure there was, um, I can't remember if it was uh, Donald Trump or Mike Pence, but he was doing a, a, a press conference and a fly landed on his head. Yeah, and then Pence. about a million social media pages dedicated to the fly existed yeah. within hours. After People that. have so, far yeah. too much time on their hands, right? <laughs> far too much time. You can't do anything anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, so looking at some of the pictures behind you, because uh, the you know, again, so much that we didn't cover last time. We did talk about your working relationship with Randy and how mm-hmm. uh, misunderstood he was and, you know, how much fun he was to work uh, with. I love that picture. The- mm. uh, yep. that, that one, and I guess the most famous picture is the one of you dressed as Randy uh, in the Slim Jim orange and yellow cheetah uh, gear. Um, yeah. The general thing was the the story that I've heard, and I've interviewed Lanny Poffo as well. He said that he did not like to be uh, imitated, but, and you imitated him a lot. Uh, so I'm guessing you never said anything about that. <laughs> no, and we had a kind of a running gag with it on Mania um, that he, you know, when he caught me dressed as all cool, brother. It's all cool, but uh, what's uh, what are we doing here with the whole get up? Uh, I don't. Uh, I think he didn't like to be imitated because a lot of people did a very bad Randy Savage. You know, you, you yeah. they go to the oh yeah and the whole you know. But the magic in doing that sort of imitation was the little things, the nuances of yep, okay, like all of the side when he if you knew him. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you know it's, I, and that's what I like. 
And I think imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? So I did it from a place of love, and and it, it I I always appreciated the little, you know, because he always had the weight. Yeah, all right, oh dear, okay, not gonna, won't happen. Gotta do what you're doing while you're doing it. I was like, he had some. He came out with some things. I'm like, you gotta do what you gotta do while you're, yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, actually. Um, he a really smart guy, and I loved him, and I miss him dearly. There's um, at WrestleMania 9, because he is on commentary, and he, is, he has never done a, a pay-per-view before. Um, and there were just times where Randy gets started, and Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan just decide to let him run until he yeah. just runs out of to say so it's like they're hanging from the rafters at the roman coliseum but the roman coliseum doesn't have any rafters but they have columns and they're hanging from the columns and it's just like and jim ross is like right i better save this immediately yeah. <laughs> because the thing is i can imagine you could have randy just by himself for three hours and it would be oh yeah it would have <laughs> been amazing absolutely <laughs> so how different off camera was randy to on camera i'm guessing not that different no no he really wasn't <laughs> um I mean, you know, privately he was obviously not as in your face and outgoing, but you know, no one is when you're performing and when you're you're you ratchet it up, right? But that that's again goes back to the genuine sort of feeling and why he was so popular. He was who he was. He didn't he didn't pretend to be something else. Clearly there were angles and storylines and all that kind of stuff yes and I'm, and I'm not saying oh you know he he just was him he was him magnified right so but yeah. the essence of it was still him and and that's why I think you have these guys who the rock is another perfect example about how they can transcend their own sport and Randy certainly was, I think, one of the first to do that. Hulk um, obviously did it. Piper obviously did it. There were guys who were able to, they were so big and they were so good that they transcended, right? They became household names rather than just wrestling household names. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, jumping around a little bit. Um, there's the picture of you there a with uh, Steve <laughs> Attention deficit disorder, you know. Um, what so have you, Steve? Uh, no, he's on this side. Yes, um, yeah. that is from, and I shouldn't know this. This is from that's from Cold Day in Hell, which is the same event as the Rocky uh, picture. Yeah, um, you. I'm guessing because you always did the uh, the King of the Ring coronations um, after Gene Oakland had like you did the own heart one. You did the I think you took your life into your own hands doing the King Mabel one because of the uh, vitriol and unhappiness from the Philadelphia violent crowd. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. That was scary. People, you, I mean, people choked things on his face, and you could see it. I mean, I'm guessing he had to duck and dive and everything. Um, so the next yeah. year, um, Steve Austin, the uh, the famous Austin 316 promo, you were ill that day, so you weren't there. Um, it feels like that that would have been the the footage that would have been shown forevermore. 
because you were there sort of thing and i mean was the i remember you were watching it on pay-per-view and cloudy and and i think i can say this now cloudy is going to be a guest uh, a future guest if you can imagine that on uh on turn trigger a very rare interview with cloudy nice talking about Chris Candido and because they were good friends and everything. Um, right. So you, you you called up uh, during or they called you during the uh, the free for all and you you were ill at home and you were still selling the pay per view on the phone. <laughs> you can't turn that off. Um, well, they didn't call me to see you know how I was, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe they did deep down somewhere. They somebody cared. But, um, yeah, no, if, if I'm on, I'm selling, man. If I'm on, I'm selling. So, I'm, I'm going to put it I'm over. guessing, looking back on it now, that, you know, it, obviously it can't be helped that you weren't there for maybe the right. most famous wrestling promo of all time, but were you kind of like, ah, dang it. <laughs> like, I yeah, oh, definitely, there. definitely. But you're right. I mean, you don't pick when you're going to get sick, and it, it was I was sick so infrequently, and uh, it was just one of those things that, you know, I clearly was sorry I missed out on. But what are you going to do, right? Well, you talk about um, on the last interview that if you did, say, Shock on Saturday night, something based in New York or the Northeast, you could get to the radio station the next morning. You'd be wired because I'm guessing the amount of coffee, et cetera, to keep awake. What if you were on the West Coast? Did you do the show uh, remotely, or did you just travel? Did you get the plane through the night, or because I can't imagine you took any days off? Yeah, no. If I if I took a I took the red eye. Um, I mean, I would fly right. all night, and I didn't sleep on a plane. But you know, who cared? I was I was young then, so you could stay up all night, and you could do it probably two days before you really started to started to suck and then see things and. But yeah, I would just take the red eye back and go right from the airport to the radio studio and try to get back in time and do the show. I don't know how you did that. I mean, I know you say young and everything, but good grief. Like, that's a lot to... Because the the thing is, though... The pilot had the toughest part. You know, he he had to fly the plane. I just had to sit there. So it wasn't that big a deal. That is true. That is true. um, Because the thing is, on those pay-per-views, it wasn't like you were just there for the countdown and the pay-per-view. You probably had to get there hours earlier to rehearse. And then you did the post-show, which would be rec- shown the next night on Raw or whatever. So that was a long night for you. I imagine Vince was even gone by the time you were kind of, you know. Oh, yeah. Doing those- <laughs> he was a bad. He was a star. What are you, crazy? Uh, yeah, yeah that's true. Well, the story is usually that you know he would have Survivor Series in the Northeast near Connecticut because he could then have Thanksgiving dinner at home. <laughs> Nothing wrong Smart with that, home. man. When you're the boss, good to be the boss. <laughs> so um, another picture that you have behind you, you and the great Bam Bam Bigelow, the late great Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, mm-hmm. and actually, let's see if I can pull this up. That's a long uh-huh. tail. 11 football um don't be fooled uh i'm not sporty in the slightest i I don't i have so many practical wrestling things like footballs and hats they're in a drawer you know i I think you don't have to convince me because you said i'm not sporty so clearly (laughs) that indicates you're not a sports i'm not sporty Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna shush you. I'm gonna patronizingly shush you. Well, the thing is, as well, this is a gamble for me doing this on camera with my COVID body after the last year of sitting eating chocolate. Oh, all and, of us. Know. Oh, all of us. Yeah. 
So the WrestleMania 11 in particular, uh, there were so many technical problems. Um, and they've been left on on the network, which I find hilarious because they cut them out for like the VHS release to make it a yeah. more smooth uh, presentation. There's Nicholas Totoro who uh, is backstage, and he, he has to pretend that Jennifer McCarthy has walked into the room. And he's like, hey, Jennifer, but there's no sound. So they come back to Vince, and then go back to it, and then do it again. And he has to act surprised again when <laughs> she walks on the screen. So you're wearing what? a headset there. Yeah, yeah, well, you're wearing the headset there. Is that because I don't know if you'd remember, but is that would that be because of technical problems that like you have to have a direct line into your ear that way uh, to you know give you cues? Well, if we always had an IFB, right? You just couldn't see it. Like I'm mm. wearing one now. I don't know if you can see it or not, but these are what we wore um, all the time. But, but it but if it was too loud. You, you sometimes had to go to a, a headset. Um, and I, I don't remember. Ringside, obviously, you wore a headset. Um, but I, I don't remember the example of, of where. I know, I, I think at some point when I had the toga on at, at 10, I was, that was 10, right? I think I had nine. the 999. Nine, nine. Um, yeah. I think I had the headset at some point with, with the crowd, but yeah. I think it added, you know, maybe uh, accidentally added to a, a sport, more of a sports feel, having the, the visible headset um, on as well. And that helped, obviously, with, you know, Lawrence Taylor and the all-pro team yeah. being there. And I think it just it, it gave that WrestleMania just a very subtle but uh, contemporary look as well. Yeah. And, I, and I've, I've said this, a big reason why I'm a fan, and a lot of people who complimented the last uh, show or a fan of you is that you brought a contemporary feel uh to wwf with you know a pop country pop culture references um maybe st some that vince didn't get because i you know um why would he he's a millionaire you know running a business um and you know in terms of presentation as well in terms of you know not talking down to the person uh, to the viewer um not that sean mooney or anyone else ever did that but i think it was more of a controlled situation where you know there was a very strict script to read from and maybe it didn't give them a chance for their personalities to uh, to shine yeah. but it, it yeah, just seemed it seemed like there was almost a change of philosophy when you were brought in because the the presentation of mania on a you know handheld camera instead of a, a free camera tripod setup and things like that um it just like i say i did a very contemporary feel to it and i'm guessing that was a conscious uh, decision by i don't know um I, I, because that was the that was the first show i did um mania and to me it was just i didn't know that they were always on sticks before or that they you know, it was a three-camera studio shoot. Obviously, I'd watched the product, but I didn't. I didn't really put that together um, because traditionally, you're right. I mean, it was locked off, and the cameras, you know, were robotically either robotically controlled or you had physical operators sitting there. But Mania, we had one. You know, it was George or it was John, um, and I think we did two cameras some of the time, but mostly one um and then that 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 was the 
physical set, the control room where the, the tape room, uh, where everything <laughs> played. And it, you know, they didn't spend any money on a set. We just went in that room and, and did it. And I remember a guy called Russ as well. Uh, yeah, it Russ. seemed like a very, yeah. And those guys that you've kept in, yeah, I, think, I believe George continued to, or still does work for WWE, is that correct? Oh, he certainly did for a long time. George on camera, yes. Um, one of the Georges passed away, but the young George with the black hair, yes. I, I, I think he might still be there. I, I'm not he sure. He was the butt of many of your jokes. He would always get very upset. Anyway, he would talk like that. He was great. Um, you know, you, and I just brought those people in because I wanted to do something else. You know, so was, I wasn't ever told, you know, you got to talk to these guys. You got to no. And that's why their reactions were genuine because they didn't know when I was going to go to them or when I didn't, you know. And sometimes before we would be like, dude, just I don't feel good today. Just leave me alone and be like, yeah, OK. <laughs> Worst thing you could say to, to a professional prankster such yeah. as yourself. Yeah. as well um one thing i remember i'm gonna keep talking about your clothes because I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully not naturally fascinated by them but there's a um you had crocodile shoes at one point and they were boots. amazing i would like to think you still were they boots i would like to think yeah. you still have them somewhere you know i may still have those somewhere they were uh they were good boots i love those boots they may end up on hidden treasures that wwe show to put in the museum <laughs> uh yeah i don't know that'd be yeah. my luck that they'd be worth something and i still don't have them but that's that's what i would do i would get rid of them <laughs> um so uh looking at some of the other pictures as well i mean what uh, would it be uncomfortable like and you don't have to answer this uh were there any particularly well, you know, you, I mean, you don't have to do anything. You can just turn off right now, you know, um, <laughs> which would be me. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not your mom. I'm not your mom. I don't have to tell you anything. Um, were there any particularly difficult uh, wrestlers to interview? And I'm not looking at <clears throat> Sid Ahmed Johnson uh, behind you. <laughs> um, I think that everybody was very professional right they knew their points they knew my job was to get them through it so if it was a bad interview it was my fault not theirs that's what you have to remember that means i didn't do my job right so if i didn't get them there that's on me you know these guys are athletes the, the marketing and promotion part of it doesn't always come easy some guys it came extremely naturally right and they did it but i i really always thought that it was my job to make sure that they got put over during those things whether it was a, a baby or a heel it didn't matter the guy holding the microphone needs to get it done and 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 if you approach it that way i don't think you can have a bad interview it'll happen where things will fall apart um, but you have to take the blame for that as the guy holding the microphone. Now, the minute they take the microphone from you, it's no longer on you. So I wanted to give the microphone to a lot of guys so I didn't have to take any responsibility. But I always believed 
If I'm holding it, it's my job to make it work. Now, if that means telling a joke or getting out of it early or doing something, doesn't matter. If you're holding the mic, you got to make it work. And, and TV time is so valuable as well. So I guess if you've got 27 seconds, you have 27 seconds or right. something, you know, you'll potentially be in trouble. But you can't be in trouble straight away because Vince is on commentary. So you don't have him shouting in your ear, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Which no, Vince was never in your ear. I had Kevin Dunn in my ear. So, um, oh, okay. um, yeah. And you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to let Kevin down. I love Kevin. Uh, never hear me say a bad thing about Kevin. Yeah. I mean, the guy was in charge and still is of, you know, creating content for 150 countries and in several languages yeah. and was brilliant, brilliant at it and uh, still is. Can't be underestimated what a high pressure situation and oh. job that must be. And, and, and the thing is, as well, it, I think. You know, and, and this isn't that kind of show. I think that like some people, like a Kevin Dunn, get unfairly criticised, and it's like you have not had to work that job, for even a day, and yeah. the amount of hair that you you know still have in your head, you know. Think about putting the on the Super Bowl three hundred times a year. That's what he did. Yeah. That's what he did. I mean, certainly some were bigger than others, and but that's what he did, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I wouldn't have wanted to do it. It's a yeah. thankless job, and uh, he does a great. He, he's great, as far as I'm concerned. He does, and and I've been lucky enough to interview a lot of guys like Tom Buchanan, the head photographer of WWF for a long time. Uh, you know, some of the merchandise designers and stuff. They and Kevin Dunn are responsible for basically. I guess the the wallpaper of my youth, you know, that, that those sure. images are just kind of, you know, they are responsible for that. They know just the minute things about what color works on the back of a set that makes yep. something look more visually appealing. And those are the things that get stuck in your mind. And obviously, a lot of research goes into that kind of thing. You know, I, I, the picture of you and uh, The Rock, uh, the, you know, I love the yellow WWF logo on the blue background. Yeah. It just pops. Is they knew and they know yeah. how to do that. Um, yeah. yeah, no, amazing stuff. So the, I've heard you talk in, in an interview about this before, um, about what, if you had to get physical uh, once in a while. Um, and, I mean, there was a time when uh, Triple H pushed you to the floor and or when, if a wrestler would grab you by the lapels and, you know, be threatening backstage or whatever. Do you know if something like that is going to happen? And is that was that something that you were comfortable? No, you don't with? know, and it's not supposed to happen. Um, they're really not supposed to touch you. Uh, that's sort of an unspoken deal, and I didn't react well to it. Uh, you know, we had a great, and I do everything I could to make sure you guys look as as good as you can, but don't touch me. Um, Get in my face, point in my face, do whatever you want, but you know, try not to, try not to do that. Yeah, yeah. and that I was. It's still quite shocking to see now. I think it, it may have been China, or it may have been Triple H, because you did the coronation for the King of the Ring '97, but it was in the ring instead of on the ramp, and you got pushed down really hard. Um, and I'm guessing that that you know was a a sore point for 
a little while. Um, you know, I don't, I don't remember it. I remember the Owen Hart one, God rest his soul. And, and he, he grabbed me. Um, and I, we spoke about grab- it afterwards. We spoke about it afterwards. And I said, dude, I'm not here for that. And he apologized and it was, um, you know, it's also a heat of the moment thing, right? But you have to remember there would be a lot of times you'd be doing an interview. This is the best way I can sum this up. You'd be doing an interview and a guy would reach over to grab the mic. Now, a lesser, maybe maybe not lesser, but less experienced announcer gives him the microphone. Somebody else... You know, after you're there a little while and they go to grab the mic, no, you hold it and you make sure they know that, nope, no, nope, because then I've lost control, right? Then what am I doing? As, as the segment host, I'm just standing there. I'm wallpaper. I can't, I can't do anything. So when that happens, I, I always used to say, if they do that, go to a one shot, right? Just get me out of it because I'm going to leave. If they take the mic away from me, I'm gone. I'm not going to stand there and look like an idiot, right? So it's little things that you can do, right? And it's, you have to remember, it's not about you. It's about the superstars. You're not the story. So don't be the story, right? So that, I think if you approach it that way, you can't go wrong. It's just like an anchor on a news broadcast or something. And maybe that's kind of old school because today you always want to be the story, but I always was taught to to believe that it wasn't about you. You weren't the story. You were there to do a job, get the interview, get out, get back to ringside, done. So that's, and to this day, that's how I approach it. I don't want to be the story. I want them to be the story. They're the stars, not me. In uh, When, not long after you left and the Attitude Era started to really uh, kick off, um, there was a lot more of that in terms of announcers being attacked in, I'm guessing, obviously, pre-planned angles and stuff like that. And, but right. there was a lot of Austin would grab the mic from Jim Ross or whoever, and then basically tell, Jim Ross would get out of the ring anyway. But, the, I mean, it's gotten to the point where Michael Cole had a wrestling match at WrestleMania <laughs> against Jerry Lawler, which is just yeah. like, if you haven't been wrestling for a while, since 1997, you're like, what, the announcer guy who took over from Todd to wrestle Jerry Lawler at WrestleMania? You know, it's just kind of a, a weird thing. So... I'm, I'm guessing as the Attitude Era rolled on, more would have been asked of you in that role. I'm, I'm guessing that would have been an absolute no-go. I mean, I, I it's hard, to hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but there's a part of you, even though you know you left at that time and it was right for you, do you sometimes during that sort of 98, 99, 2000, wish that you'd have maybe stuck around a little bit or there were absolutely no regrets? Oh, no. I'm, you always wish you could have made, in my case, both jobs work for longer. But you ha- I had to make a choice, right, because it, I wasn't getting sleep and I wasn't getting any. So it, w- it was never anything, you know, that, oh, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm sick of it. I didn't – it wasn't that. It was like physically – you know, couldn't do both jobs uh, at the same time. But absolutely, I would still follow it. And you'd see something big happen and say, man, I wish I was there. I could have done this or this would have been my take on it. Or, you know, you think of things to say. 
Um, that's why I'm very difficult to watch TV with because I'll, I'll, I'll be yelling questions at the guy doing the interview. It's like, ask him this, ask him this. Why aren't you asking this? Um, because it, 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 it gets really personal, but that's how, that's how it is now. You know, that like, I think you and I talked about this before. I, you know, still call the macho man, Randy Savage. I wouldn't use his real name. It's just not. I just didn't do it, you know, because you never want to slip when you were on camera and, and call somebody yeah. by their. So, you know, I, I'm old school that way. I kept it that way. And I'm old like school say, in every way, <laughs> clearly. I think you got a kick out of me calling you like a, a classic announcer or a legend or something like that. Um, and I, <laughs> again, I'm trying not to hammer the age thing home. It's just you're. you're experienced and you were around during the best time seasoned and, you know, i'm seasoned seasoned um and it's actually unbelievable that it is 25 years um you know because that makes i don't, don't know about you that makes me feel old if anything because i'm kind of you know I'm, I'm, it's the episode of the simpsons where grandpa sat under the, the lemon tree and he recalls the story to the kids about yeah. you know the the origins the origins of that lemon tree. I'm kind of like that with wrestling. I'm like you know, um, we'll bore anyone to death. Hopefully not on this podcast. I've got to say, right. uh, just you know what's you know, what's funny when you, you you bring it up. I I feel old. I feel I I don't feel any different than I did yeah. when I was 25. I I understand now how people say you know as they get to be. 45, 55, 65, 75. I don't feel any different. And I'm not talking about aches and pains and, you know, it may take you longer to recover from a night out. or That's that's normal, right? That's just metabolism and body processing. But I don't feel any different. I, I really don't. Um, and, and maybe that's not good because when you don't feel any different, you attempt to do things that you think you can still do. Um and that's both professionally and personally. And then you realize, oh, my God. Right? Yeah, you're only 39. Right. You see, In dog and, years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's, that's the thing. I paid the guest in compliments. And that's how right. That's good. that's good. Yeah. Um, so the NXT In Your House, 13th of June. I... I would you know it's kind of weird because you are going back to wwe and i i kind of have to um mind what i say i'm, I'm a jaded old fan basically you know i think things like you know referencing i think they realize this referencing nostalgia is a good way to bring back the yeah. the lapsed line or those who wish the ropes were red white and blue again and uh you know um Vince would be on commentary in his uh, Royals War bomber jacket and stuff. It'll happen. You're going back there. You've got to make the change from the inside. Uh, you've got to get Vince. <laughs> be the change, Vince Todd. Be the change. <laughs> yeah, be the change and bring everything back to the night. It, it's kind of, it is fun. And I, I'm guessing you get a kick out of this, that your gimmick is almost uh, that you were frozen in time in 1997 and you're still asking people to call the pay-per-view company to <laughs> Yeah. The VCR. <laughs> yeah, well, stay in your what's lane, it? right? I mean, <laughs> know your lane. Yeah, what's it like being a caricature? I'm sure you always wanted to, you always, you know, dreamed of that. Um, no. Uh, 
You're not a caricature. I'm joking. I feel like I can slightly get away with saying these things because we talked about I don't take anything personally. If you if you do that, you're you're done, right? You start believing your own press, you're just an idiot and, and somebody who's I don't want to be around. But uh, you know, you talk about oh, I don't know with the new stuff and listen, we have to evolve, right? Everything evolves. That doesn't mean we can't bring some of the nostalgia to some of the new. But I don't want to also go back and lean on what I did 25 years ago. If I don't have anything new to bring to it, I shouldn't be there, right? So I still feel like I can offer something new. I can still have a perspective, an interesting perspective that may make people think. So I, I think the nostalgia is great and gets you in the door. But if you're not sort of always evolving, right? then you're standing still or going backwards and everybody's just passing you. And you, you live in this world where it's like, do you remember every sentence you ever start begins with, do you remember? Well, I'd like to remember because it happened yesterday. Um, yeah, I still remember. I just said it. You know what I mean? Like without getting too deep, I, I think we can always reinvent ourselves and, and bring what people liked about you back and yeah. you know, do it hopefully without a walker. That's my goal. I'm gonna try to do it without a walker. And that's what I'm loving about what you're doing, seeing you in this whole new situation, uh, because everything has changed and you, you couldn't be 90s yeah. WWF presenter Todd Bengal. It probably wouldn't work unless it yeah. was just seen as a nostalgia bit or a joke bit and stuff like that. And WWE have done the nostalgia shows and yeah. I enjoy them, but they're also kind of forgettable in a way because there's no new ground being broken with them. And there's not meant to be with those. But no. at the same time, I, like sometimes I'm disappointed that they don't put some of the, the, the older names in fun new situations that can further a storyline or, you know, add something to the presentation. So that's why I'm a huge, you know, really, really excited. And it will bring back older fans to check out the new product as well and yeah. um, you know, see what's going on. And I mean, NXT is consistently great. You know, yeah. um, you know, uh, there are critics of everything out there. Uh, but, you know, I don't think people can argue that NXT does appeal to old school wrestling fans. They know as a brand, even though it's a WWE show, they know how to treat nostalgia. Yep in a way that's not shoving it down your throat and they can do it in a fun way. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see you in in the arena in front of the crowd again. Um, and yeah, it'll be, I, what I've got to do is try and get, if it's in the Thunderdome, I've got to get on one of the screens and I'll hold my, I think Todd Pengill is superb. <laughs> if I look Sorry. up there and see you, that, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, all I'm saying is, um, I don't know. Can you mention me on? If you mentioned me on screen, that would mean you would never be allowed back. I'm guessing. Oh um, no, I'd be banned for life. Yeah. For you're life. interviewing Adam Cole, and you're like, "So, Pablo, uh, uh, Adam Cole, uh, um, yeah, or wear like a turn chuckle T-shirt." Or I'm just throwing out ideas, as you know. I'm just I'll, throwing I'll, out they're all ideas. good. I'm I'm mentally writing them down, not physically, <laughs> but but mentally. Mentally writing them down. Uh, so yeah, no, so if you don't say these things, 
you, nothing will happen. You know, you've got to put yourself out there. So yeah, no, I've got to try. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about me by this point, is that I push my luck. So, um, you know, you had a sweet background, and I was like, no, get the But you waited till the time. end. See, I respect that about you. You waited till the end of the interview, and then you went, I'm going to throw this in, see how this lands. I'm going to send the turn chuckle shirt, and, you know, we'll hope for the best, see what happens. And, and the other thing I do as well is that I say, so, got to have you back sometime. That's a verbal contract. And you know you don't you don't you don't do no shows so uh, yeah so at this point because of the and before before we uh, wrap up obviously with uh, COVID and everything there hasn't been a lot of conventions etc but you especially with the zombie sailor thing in particular I feel that it has shown people that you are on like wrestling fans you are on social media and people can see what you do and you still make product um you know yep. you did the hey todd thing uh for a while and you're still producing and uh creating and stuff like that um absolutely it's, it's would you then do the conventions at this point i mean not to you know make again wheel out the legends but like is that something that you would kind of do or what, you know, i've been asked I, i've been yeah. asked but again i i gave the same answer um, I gave you when you first said, would you do my show? I said, why? Why would anyone want to talk to me or hear anything? What, like, why? So you're going to go to an autograph convention, right? And you, I'm going to be sitting at a table and you're going to walk up? Why? You underestimate your popularity. Why? Like, do you see... <laughs> I did say to a friend when the zombie sailor thing, I was like, you're not unhappy. I think that a figure is there. I think you're just more amused that someone would want to make a figure of you. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm like, you want to do what? Okay, yeah. but who's going to buy it? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I guess if you, you want to do it, I'm not going to say no. You underestimate yourself. You saw the feedback to the zombie sailor video into your videos and i'm guessing as you do more of these uh bumps and nxts and you know uh, make yourself more visible in the wrestling world that your mm-hmm. you know instagram grows exponentially after those uh, uh do you see how i got that word in there that's my word of the day um that was good can tell you what it means i think it means a lot i think it means a lot um by huge growth yes yeah by huge growth so yeah but i mean you that must be only a good thing for your social media for whatever you choose to to use yeah. it for you must see the feedback um and it's always good feedback um, oh no so it's i'm not good feedback but, uh, <laughs> which is why i don't do twitter and stuff because twitter's like all haters and i don't have time for it um i don't care you know if you like me if you don't that's okay but i i never understood like having a social media platform where people could just tell you how crappy you were all the time that's you know that's not something i enjoy i i am not great at social media but i i i maintain a presence because i think it's important um and we are still generating content and and doing some interesting things um so that's that's why i have it i don't have it so people can give me their opinion about me i don't care um yeah you know what I mean? If like it, a lot of people use it as a sounding board, and, and not to get heavy or anything, but I think with kids it's tough because you know there's a lot of hate, and 
it, it drives kids to do things that they wouldn't normally do and you know feel they feel bad and that's why I think Twitter especially I just stay away from because I, I just don't have any interest in in what it is and I'm, I'm, I just don't care you know what I mean uh, you're a, you're an idiot you you have no talent you're yeah okay do you feel better because I mean you're, I don't know why you think your opinion of me matters I don't know you um, yeah. somebody who I like and know and is in my life, if they have that opinion of me, maybe I would look at myself and say, huh, do you have to make changes? But somebody by the name of, you know, Poop Sandwich on Twitter uh, telling me that they don't care for me, okay, I, I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so whatever. With Instagram as well, it's it's apolitical. You know, I, I, yeah. I was so stressed on Facebook, like seeing people. You find out who your racist relatives are on <laughs> Facebook pretty quickly once you know, um, the, you know, a, a presidential campaign happens or anything. It doesn't matter. You find out who's deeply inappropriate. Um, but that's what I love about Instagram is that it's kind of. It seems it, it's social media, but it's also sharing your interests, and yeah. it, it's kind of more of a friendly, certainly a friendly atmosphere. It's not about arguing like YouTube comments um, or like Facebook comments and stuff like that. And I, I generally, and from what I've seen from certain wrestlers as well, they choose to get because wrestling fans, you know, good or bad, are opinionated. I'm, I'm opinionated, you know. Um, but you can get you can get too personal, and I don't like yourself. Don't understand why you would go out of your way to to do that. But right, um, yeah. But you are on Instagram, uh, and is that the way that you prefer people to follow you, keep in touch with what you're doing? Yeah, that's um, the only like- that's the only platform I'm on. I do Instagram, and uh, that's it. Yeah, and uh, just Todd Pengel on uh, yep. on Instagram. Todd Jeffrey Pettengill, I'm going to guess, is your middle name. Is it Jeffrey? It is not. Why, why would you guess Jeffrey out of all the things? Did you just decide? Well, just to... Sh- no, just to show you that I don't just look at Wikipedia for my questions. I'm just going to guess. <laughs> okay. I wonder if Wikipedia says Jeffrey. It might. I don't look that at would that. Be true. Again, I don't know Wikipedia, so why do I care what they think about me? I just don't. Well, uh, Todd uh, Jeffrey Pettengill. Um, <laughs> yep, sure. Let's go with that. Hopefully, that doesn't take off. Uh, um, Todd Pettengill, I'm extremely grateful. You know, I am. I tell you this all the time to the point where you like, shut up. I know you're grateful. Stop saying it. Yeah, you are. Um, you're a good guy. Uh, you too kind. You too kind. Um, so yes, I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning into this episode of Tone Trouble by Todd's Action Figure. It's not up for pre-order quite yet, but it will be very soon. And I believe they're made to order as well, so they're not limited. So buy a million. Wallpaper your wall with Todd Peck collection. <laughs> oh, God, what a nightmare. <laughs> about it. <laughs> See how quickly you get blocked forever by sending exactly. a picture of your Exactly. Hey, I, I had so a lot yes. of fun, man. Thanks for having me on. It was, it was always, a, always a blast. 